Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Folks, I got to tell you, I am becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Elon Musk by the day. And if you haven't seen what he's done, I I just love it. I do. I love it. Um, we'll get into it today. We'll look at the fallout of this. We'll look at... Some of the people who are terrified of the idea of Elon Musk owning Twitter and how that's the end of our democracy as we know it. Oh my goodness, here we go yet again, folks. So we'll get into those things today. Also, there's two other things I want to do today. This is Good Friday. And for those of you who have, who have listened to this program for some time, for those of you that haven't listened to the program, that's, oh well, that's okay. You, uh as long as you are planning on listening from this moment forward. But um, for those who have listened for some time, you'll know that on Good Friday, we we share some things about about Easter. And I think it's a it's a good opportunity to, to share some uh, important points about the most important weekend in the history of humanity. This is it. This weekend is the most important in the history of humanity of humanity. I hope you stick around to hear what we have to say about that. But I want to start today. Oh, and there's also an email that I had been wanting to comment on uh, that I'd gotten from a listener, and I'm going to try to do that as well. So all that is time permitting, of course, but I want to start. I As, as I said this uh, earlier off the top, Elon Musk is almost single-handedly trying trying to interject himself into big tech um, and save free speech in the United States of America. And I know that I've got liberal listeners who say, come on, Todd, that's not what's happening here. Um, Folks, they're, well, a lot of these folks will say what they're doing, they're, they are, they are protecting their terms of service. Oh, and, and businesses, Todd, have a right to protect their terms of service. Um, I would agree with that. In fact, if you go back into the archives of this program, I distinctively, I, I think I upset a conservative one time because I didn't defend someone who was taken down off of, I think it was YouTube. I can't I can't remember the platform. I'm not going to say the name of the individual. Um just be, I don't want to get into what that could lead to. But someone was taken down off of Twitter, a big name um, voice on the right, I guess you could say. But I said, look, I don't know exactly the context. Now, do I believe that YouTube is on the side politically, Google, right? That they are on the side of political leftists today? Absolutely, 100% believe that. So do I think that they actively look for excuses to shut down conservative voices, voices on the right? Absolutely, 
I believe that. Do I also believe that there are people out there who are engaged in commentary that are that's considered conservative or you know people on the right who may be breaking rules? That is conceivably possible as well. In fact, it's definite. It's with as many people who take to these platforms, it's a given certainty that somebody from any political ideology is breaking the rules of some of some platform. Where it becomes problematic is when it becomes targeted. It when when it becomes pro, it becomes problematic when it's used to actually stop political discourse. Now, it when you brand yourself or when you position yourself or when you tell the world that you're a platform for communication and you don't, you know, it, if Twitter would say, look, this is where all the liberals get together and share their stupidest ideas in the world, which is probably a pretty accurate depiction of reality, as, as I can watch what happens on these, on these platforms, particularly uh, Twitter. Um, you know, that, that's one, that's, I suppose, one thing, but that's not how they were, that's not how this thing was built. In fact, Elon Musk and people like him would say this is today's public square, and government not, you know, the First Amendment is designed to protect the government from silencing free speech. And so in the minds of some people, if it's a company who comes up with terms of service that can be, that, by the way, it's being applied completely, completely in a biased manner. It is not being applied effect, fairly, consistently, whatever. I mean, folks, the Russia, uh, Vladimir Putin, the, the president of, of Russia, still has, so far as I know, he had recently a Twitter account, but President Trump doesn't. I believe the Iranian, um, you know, the, the Iranian leaders, those brutal haters of freedom in the Islamic Republic of Iran, they have access to Twitter. President Trump doesn't. I don't think Project Veritas does. Now, you begin to dissect this and look case by case. There's a lot of other examples. Those are just two that came to my mind. There's a lot of other examples of this, though. You start looking at this, and you think, what person in their right mind comes to these conclusions? That this is these are the people who need to be banned from the platform, and these are the people who don't. I mean, Putin is invading another country. And that, I mean, what? that That's not worthy of, that doesn't break a Twitter platform? Well, he's not, I guess he's not tweeting images about it. I mean, what, how in the world do we get to this point? But this is where we are. And to some people, they think if the government, so let's say, let's say Twitter, the Twitter execs and the government are of the same, they're on the same team, basically. And in the minds of some people, they think, well, it's not the government at Twitter. Twitter is Twitter, not the government. So if they decide to silence speech, then that's, then that's their prerogative. The problem is that's not in the terms of service. There's not a term in, of service in Twitter that says you can't be a conservative. However, if they were being accurate and fairly depicting who they really are and the people that they want on their platform, that's absolutely what they would say. By the way, Twitter... I, I I think it's 10%, boy, I better not say this because I haven't looked at this, but I, I, I think I know this, the stats. We're looking at a very small 
minority of people that actually contribute or become the voice, so to speak, of Twitter, right? The people with the biggest uh, Twitter accounts and so forth. It's a, it's a relatively small percentage of, of Americans. In fact, it's not at all. Twitter is not representative of all, at all of what reality, uh, the majority of people in reality and in flyover country and places where common sense reigns. It's not a depiction of what they think. It's what the radicals think. And we'll get into it as we talk a little bit more about Elon Musk here. Um, but some people are okay with this idea that the government can collude, right? I mean, I, I like this. I like to use the word collude because if there's any collusion happening, it's between it's between big tech. I mean, look at what look at what Zuckerberg <laughs> Look at what the allegations are against Zuckerberg and his millions and millions and millions of dollars that were used to influence the outcome of the 2020 election. I mean, this this system, this big tech social media system, can absolutely lead to problems. You know, our founders, let me say this too, the founders also... The founders didn't want the government to silence people, but the founders also wanted people to be able to share their opinions, period. For example, just as a a segue here, the founders weren't even hip into things like monopolies because they wanted competition in the marketplaces. They wanted to to knock down as many many barriers to, you know, good ideas in the marketplace, good solutions to problems that – people were facing, they wanted those to be able to compete and to compete fairly. The idea that they would be hip to any amount of collusion or planning or conspiracy, if I say, any of that happening to prevent fair and open discourse, robust discourse in the public square, they would not have been in favor of this. And candidly, none of us should be in favor of this. In fact, I'm on the record. For those of you who are on the left who think that I would ever want to silence you, I actually want to give you as much of a voice as possible because, and I'll tell you why, well, number one, I'm a fair-minded guy. Number two, I think, actually I know, that when truth is exposed to light and when, when broken worldviews and broken ideas are exposed to light, Two different things happen. Truth stands firmly and secure. It's why, by the way, I don't join uh, join in the chorus with people like Chris Wallace, who's now at CNN, of all places to end up, who says that he didn't like how people were questioning the truth. Truth does not buckle under questions. Truth is an immovable, strong, just overwhelmingly powerful force. It is not going to be affected by anyone's questions, Chris Wallace or anyone else for that matter. The people that have problems are the people who are trying to peddle bad ideas. They are the ones who don't want the questions. They are the ones who want the fact checkers. They are the ones who want the other people who can poke holes in their ideas or question their premises and their conclusion and their logic and so forth. They want people like that, people like us, silenced. And, and the reason, the reason is because they can't win otherwise. If there is fair access to information and a 
fair opportunity for both sides to present their arguments, make their case. I am telling you, the case for constitutional conservatism wallops, absolutely positively wallops anything, anything the radical left tries to peddle on the American people. That's This is also why they want their experts to speak. They want to disparage people that aren't in their expert class. Well, what's the definition of an a definition of an expert to a leftist? Part, point number one, you have to be a radical leftist. Then you become an expert. Well, golly gee, how does suddenly all the experts become leftists, who, by the way, are wrong about everything, which I've said on this program for years now. In fact, I saw someone else echoing that point the other day as well. These are the folks that want all of the stipulations. They don't want you hearing ideas. They don't want you... They want to silence people on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. They don't want a fair and free discourse about ideas. So they're freaking out because Elon Musk, Elon Musk actually, and I want to get to this before we set this up before the break. Elon Musk, who owns, what is it, 9.1 or 9.2% of Twitter now just by accumulating shares, uh, in the you know by, by buying shares of Twitter, he's now come out, out and said, look, I want to buy all of Twitter. I'm going to pay 40, what is it, 40, I thought it was 43 billion. This article says 41.4 billion. That, his offer, he says this is my best and final offer, Twitter. <laughs> his, his offer is 18% more than the market cap of the stock of Twitter. So if you take all the shares of Twitter, add it up, it's 18% above what those shares are even worth as of, uh, this was Wednesday. Sorry, one of the, it's it's 38% over the closing price on April 1st. It's 18% higher than the closing price just a couple of days ago. 41, 42, I thought, I thought it was 43 billion, 40 some billion dollars with the B. So now Twitter is looking into this, reviewing this offer. Of course, <laughs> you know, the people in that room are thinking, heck no, we can't give this platform. We can't sell this platform to Elon Musk. You know, that conversation is happening. And for what purpose it is for political, I am, it is for political purposes. The people that are sitting in that room are leftists. The people who are sitting in that room are happy to silence President Donald Trump. The people in that room wanted to see not so much Biden win the election, just anybody but President Trump. And they used... (laughs) Folks, when you silence... Well, when you... It's clear what's going on here. I I mean, you know, this is a... This is a platform for radical leftists to make it sound like people are more in line with radical leftist ideology than they really are. This is not, Twitter is not anything close to regular, everyday, average people, normal people, people with common sense. This is not what this place is. And it's also not a place where some, some people are welcome. And it's not all because they broke some Twitter rule. It's ultimately because they were conservative They had an effective voice. They supported President Trump. They challenged certain assertions that were not allowed to question, whether that's about COVID or elections or what have you. 
That needs to be silenced. That's what they think. They really think that that's the job of, of, of organizations, of businesses like Twitter. Now, Elon Musk is a free speech guy. Elon Musk says, I'll buy this, and I'll make it what it really is supposed to be. In fact, he said this, I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be the, to be the platform for free speech. Oh, my goodness, the leftists are trembling just at this being mentioned in and of itself. Around the globe, and I believe... Free speech, there's another terrifying tremble down the bones of today's radical left, is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. However, since making my investment, remember he bought 9 point whatever it is, 2%, 1% of Twitter stock, he says, I now realize the company will neither thrive nor serve this societal imperative in its current form. Honestly, he probably knew that before he even invested uh, because we know who Twitter is. It goes on to say, his statement is, Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. And by the way, here's 40 whatever billion dollars, and I'll, I'll buy it. It's 20, you know, 18% more uh, than what the, you know, what the share of, uh, shares of Twitter that are owned by everyone are worth. I'm willing to pay 18% more. That's my best and final offer. This has sent chills and... <laughs> well, lots and lots of chills, down the spines of people who don't like this, who don't like free speech. And I've got one in particular I want to talk about. By the way, quick timeouts in order. Elon Musk also said if this doesn't work out, he's got a plan B, which I'm not holding my breath that this will work out. But this is quite interesting. This is quite interesting. I talk about this because big tech is a problem, and I also love... I. I think, and I know Elon Musk is worth bazillions of dollars, but I think we all should take a page from the playbook of Elon Musk and not not be intimidated or afraid of what's happening and to actually play offense. I love, I love, love, love this. They're on. They're probably meeting right now, have conference calls at all hours of the day, morning, night, trying to figure out how to properly handle this because some people are probably thinking, heck yeah, I'll sell my Twitter stock and make an 18% premium. I'll sell that bad boy today. But again, the people in that room, the people on that executive board, they are leftists, make no mistake, they are leftists. They see this as a tool to influence elections, to misrepresent. They don't see it this way, but at the end of the day, it's misrepresenting what people in this country really think, and it silences people. It doesn't give people who are conservative with a alternative point of view. Many of them have paid the price on Twitter, and not just Twitter, Facebook as well, YouTube as well, et cetera, et cetera. Quick timeout. That's in order. Come back, finish this conversation about Elon Musk, get to the two other things I told you we would get to, time permitting. Quick timeout, my friends, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friend. So, a lot of folks are upset. Actually, is that upset even the word I want to use? Terrified? Um, terrified of Elon Musk buying Twitter. Now, I'm not predicting this is going to go through. I do think, I do think that this is clearly 
a good thing. There's a guy named Max Boot, and I'm trying to find the original tweet. Max is really, really fretting over this. Um, Post Opinions columnist, um, author. He says here on Twitter, all opinions are his. Feel free to adopt them. I feel free not to adopt them, Max, but that's okay. I'm not going to say you can't share them. Maybe that's the difference between Max and me and Max and a lot of us. But I want you to listen to what, to what he he tweeted out here. To what he tweeted out here. Am I pulling up the right? Hold on here. Did I pull up the wrong daggone link here? Um. Well, shucky dern here. He tweeted out. I'm going to find this tweet as I'm talking here. I thought I had it, but I had... Here it is. There it is. I knew it. He says this. I am frightened. Oh, my goodness. Frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. By the way, he let the cat out of the bag there by saying politics. That's his biggest fear is politics. And it's not because... uh, It's ultimately not because of misinformation. I'm wondering what Max had to say about... Trump-Russian collusion hoax for four years. Is he? I don't know. I don't follow this guy. So maybe he was. And if he was, then at least he's consistent, um, I guess, in a sense. Although I certainly... Trump-Russia collusion was a literally a fabricated bunch of nonsense. Um, the other things that have been silenced have not been disproven, no matter what they want to tell you. Anyway, he seems to believe this is what Max Boot writes about uh, Elon Musk. He seems to believe that on social media, anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. For de- So let me break this down, what this means. Max thinks you are too dumb uh, that I'm too stupid to have access to information. We need people who can analyze, who can fact check, who can do all sorts of things before they give us access to information because that is how democracy survives, more content moderation. You ever ask yourself, who who are the people who are moderating the content? You want me to tell you who they are? I'll tell you who they are. These are people, these are people that almost universally vote for Joe Biden and Democrats, these are people who are probably intertwined somewhere in today's media class, professional deceivers. These are probably people who have worked on Capitol Hill, who are part of the deep state, who have probably they're married to someone who works for the Democrat Party. That's who Max Boot wants moderating content before you can post it before you can ask ask the question. He continues to double and triple and qu- I went through some of his tweets here. Quadruple uh, down on this stuff saying basically things like, well, we used to have editors um, who determined here here it was. Um, actually in the past, this is one of his t- one of his tweets from last night. 
Actually, in the past, elites, a.k.a. editors, controlled the news people received and our country was far better for it. So Max Boot thinks it's better. Look, papers have the prerogative to have editors. Twitter, for you, your, your platform can, can be predicated on the idea that, there are, that everything is moderated by a content person, right? But that's not, that's not what Twitter was. Twitter was a place where you could go and post your ideas. I never once, I, I argued vociferously, consistently. I pointed out the philosophical flaws, the logical flaws, the idiocy associated with the Trump-Russian collusion story from day one. I explained in wonderful de- detail just how ridiculous this stuff was. And I said, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, you can go back in the archives from years on this. You can find lots of comments, but you'll find me saying things very similar to this. Number one, if you come up with a conspiracy to steal the presidency, the last phase, the last piece of your massive conspiracy does not involve an ad campaign. That is, I have worked in advertising, um, I, you know, not on a huge level, but I've worked in marketing firms. I've, I know a little bit about this sort of stuff. Um, or I should say I worked in a marketing agency. I, I don't know if I use plural, but I, I've, I know people who've owned agencies, other people outside of that agency. This is not how advertising works. In fact, I remember saying, I remember saying if businesses, people like, let's say woke Disney, if woke Disney thought that, the advertising people that Putin had employed in the Kremlin helped Trump win the election, and it was such a slam dunk. They would have, the next day, they would have hired this firm. They would have hired this firm and said, hey, we'd love to have you do a campaign to get people to come to our theme parks. In fact, today they would probably say, we would love to have a campaign that shows people that we really didn't say what we said about gender identity and having 50% um, you know, what is it? LGBTQIA plus uh, princesses and characters and all this stuff. If we could, if you could make people forget that so that they wouldn't want to not come to our parks anymore, we kind of like that. They would be hiring these people. It is beyond absurd to anyone who has the slightest idea about how marketing and advertising works to think that the last phase in your massive conspiracy is an ad campaign on Pokemon Go. And that's what we're told. I know, Oz, it's time to take a break. I have so much more to say about this. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, people like Max Boot, in my estimation, doesn't they don't like the idea that they can't determine what it is that you hear. They want someone determining what information you have access to and let me tell you the things they would have said they would have told you yes you should know that trump colluded with russia people like max boot and the experts and the so-called know-it-alls who have access on what can be posted to twitter would have happily said to you would have happily allowed for you to be able to see that article those stories they also would have happily prior to the 2020 election when 51 former professionals in um, national was it intelligence, national security came out and said, came out and said that the Hunter Biden laptop story had all the markings of a 
what was a Russian misinformation campaign. Twitter would have happily blocked it as they did. By the way, Jack Dorsey came out and said it was the wrong move. Think about this. Think about that for a minute. Max Boot thought would have, I'm guaranteeing you, would have thought that was the perfect decision to be made back in 2020. Jack Dorsey, who, by the way, crazy in his own right, but Jack Dorsey came out and said it was the wrong thing. And there's actually evidence to say that story making it, you know, big time, making it, you know, most having Americans know about it would have changed the outcome of the election in and of itself. But Max Boot doesn't want those types of stories to get any publicity until it's been vetted, if ever. Or maybe until the Democrat Party has a chance to create a response to the story. These people are not in favor of free speech. They act like this isn't censorship and the silencing of political opinions, but it has no other practical result than that. I have to take a break. I'm going to shift gears when we get back because I told you we would. Two other things to get to. Sit tight, my friends. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in Mere Moments. my friends i have to hustle i promise you two other things time permitting and i'm going to hustle into one of those right now i got an email from aj excuse me anthony in indianapolis um, earlier this week and i meant mentioned this by the way this is how when i say make it count <laughs> when i say make sure your emails count this is what i mean hello todd congratulations on your for your fine radio show see that anthony that is nailing it right there um some musings shared here. I hope this qualifies as, quote, making it count. It does. If it doesn't, maybe you ought to elaborate on that concept on the air for me. Nope. This is a well-thought-out email. I'm really talking about people who email me, even if they, well, they just they say things that literally are just a waste of my time to read. That This is far from 99.9% of people that write in have thought thought things through, and I I love it. It's like 0.1%. I wonder if they like sat on the keyboard or something. Anyway, this is not Anthony, by the way. He writes this. Um, Over the decades of my life, it's been my impression that the left has a greater number of people who are, quote, educated and impressed as sharp on its side than the right. That's troubled me because as, as an educated person myself, I like stimulating company. I do as well. Anthony, but my education, he writes, hasn't blinded me to the correctness of the values that are often labeled, quote, traditional. I'd sometimes mentally struggle over this phenomenon, which I don't think is an illusion. Some of my struggles were towards uh, coming up with an explanation for it. I certainly didn't believe the notion that liberals must be correct in their belief because they score higher on IQ tests. Here's what I came up with, he writes. Liberals weren't actually smarter. What they are is more clever. To be a liberal, you have to be darned clever to weave the rationalizations justifying many of their beliefs. Traditional values tend to only require the sense you were born with to see their rightness. For example, it's incredible that anyone would sincerely believe that a runaway, excuse me, that runaway rates of legitimate pregnancies are sing and single parent upbringings and the social license that generates those don't severely damage a society. But by golly, the left is plenty of sophisticated and uh, sophistic, meaning people that are making uh, arguments based in sophistry, silliness, justifications to repudiate them. 
I could name other examples, but surely that one illustrates my point. Thus, my theory is that once one surrenders to liberalism's siren call beliefs, one has to be very clear, either by schooling or aptitude to defend them in debate. Ergo, therefore, liberals as a whole are not are more clever, not smarter, because they have uh, they have to be. Maybe you can touch on this topic on the air because I probably have company out there feeling as I do. Um, I want to say that in general, this is this is correct, I think. Um, I think the left likes to think that they're smarter than us. My dad, as I've shared before, uses a term that I've co-opted that he calls overeducated idiots. And there's a, there is a fair amount of that where the, ed, you know, education means to bring from within, you know, so we're created in the image of God and we're going to get to the story of Easter after the break, but we're created in the image of God. And inside of us, we have this, I mean, it's, it's, we're made in his image. So we have, there are certain things that are by being created in the image of God that ha- that are part of our existence, part of our makeup. We have a conscience. We, you know, we understand that the universe was created. There must be a creator and all that sort of stuff. There's lots of things that go along with that, but I'm hurrying for the sake of time here. Um, so that is, you know, something that we, that we all have, but there's a process where the left doesn't want to accept. I think, I think that most of the ideas from the left or the beliefs of the, the left stem from the fact of how they want things to be instead of how they really believe things are. And they don't like some of the things. This is why I, I refer to one wing of the radical left party the, as the godless radical left. Because they don't want anything to do with that. They want to think all things are morally equivalent. They don't want there to be a right and a wrong. They don't want to be held accountable. And they don't like people that remind them that there is good and bad, right and wrong in in this world. They don't like this. And so he's on to something here when he says, it, I just wouldn't use the word clever. I think, I, I get what he's saying. Clever to me... He's not wrong. Please, Anthony, don't think that I think it's wrong. It's, it's just I think there's a better better word. You actually hit closer to the mark when you said uh, sophistic, not sophisticated. They think they're sophisticated, but people that that argue nonsense, basically, is what we're dealing with here. The mind will justify what the heart desires. It is a – leftism is a very – it's emotional. It's not thought-based. The thinking is designed, and this is where Anthony is right, the thinking designed and taught at universities is to justify what the heart already wants. It's not the other way around. It's not based upon sound judgment or logic or, or concrete reasoning. It is based upon emotion, and then the mind will justify what the heart desires. Anthony says that's being clever. That's not being smarter. Actually, smarter is embracing the simple truths that we know without trying to recreate things that don't go along with how the universe was created to work. But anyway, Anthony, I appreciate the email. It's very, very articulate, well thought out. I said I would share it this week. I did. Quick timeout when we come back. Some words on Easter. Good Friday. See you in a minute. friends welcome back this is good friday this is good friday and i always like to 
to share a little something on Good Friday. You know, I come on this program each and every day. I used to say I don't care what you believe politically. That's not entirely the right way of saying it. What I was really trying to communicate was you don't have to agree with me to listen to this program. I do hope that we can persuade you to constitutional conservative principles, though. That's absolutely the truth. I believe, I do believe that the Constitution, the way that our founders set this government up to work is the closest thing, the closest type of society, a free society that uh, that we should have this side of heaven. I think I think it's as close to on the mark as we can really as we can get this side of heaven. And so I hope to persuade people for that. I hope that you've been entertained, you know, have some thought-provoking moments, some chuckles, whatever, all sorts of things along the way. But more important to me than anything else, folks, if you only agree with me on this, on one thing, I hope it's what I'm about to share with you. And I don't have a lot of time, but Good Friday today is the day in history that the Bible tells us that Jesus died upon the cross at Calvary. He was crucified, he was beaten, flogged, humiliated, mocked, all sorts of things. And he continued and and fulfilled the will of God by being our atonement. Meaning, we were the ones, my friends. I was the one who needed to be justly, that that was the consequence for my sin. And, And it is for yours as well. We should have paid the price, but in order to forgive us and to bring reconciliation between you and God, me and God, humanity and God, Jesus came to die. This That happened. That legitimately happened 2,000, whatever, r- roughly 2,000 years ago. And he died this day, 2,000 years, Good Friday, was raised victoriously from the tomb on Easter Sunday, which is coming up this Sunday. And that's why we celebrate Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday. And I hope, my friends, I hope whether you agree with me politically or not, those things I think are very important. I think we're talking about issues of truth and so forth, and I think it matters. But it pales in comparison. It pales in comparison to your decision to accept what Jesus did on that cross for you, what he did for me 2,000 years ago, and how he defeated sin and death by being raised from the dead on Easter Sunday. So I invite you to accept that truth, to welcome, to to initiate a relation. Well, he's initiated it, but to respond by, by accepting his forgiveness. And we can help walk you through that. If you have any questions, I, I welcome you. I truly do. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com is my email. I have to take a break. I wish I had more time to say some things about that, but I hope that you trust those words, believe that in your heart, The Bible says that if you confess and believe, you will be saved. Quick time out, my friends. Back here in just a minute. Folks, that is all the time that we have today for this week. Again, I hope you have a happy Easter weekend. And more appropriately, I think sometimes we do people who aren't Christians a disservice when we just say, not that I'm saying we shouldn't say Happy Easter, but sometimes I think we should say Happy Resurrection Day. 
because that's really what this is all ultimately about. And it doesn't matter your political beliefs, your background, what you've been through, what you've done, what you've thought. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That includes you, my friend. That includes me. We confess with our heart, Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, I should say, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We will be saved. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Good Friday. Got to go SDGC Monday.